This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. All right, is everybody still married? All right, give yourselves a hand clap because that's, see, you, you just take that for granted that you woke up married and that you... You got here and you're still married and uh, just even driving here. This funny story, you know, we were talking about, you know, some of those things, you know, like the driving. You know, I thought I could drive. And so this morning we wake up and my wife decides she wants to finish painting her nails in the car. And I'm thinking, okay, she's going to tell me, slow down, watch the pumps and all that stuff. So I'm gunning it real fast to try to make her slip. But you know what? We're still married. Okay. <laughs> Well, I was smart because I did the color part in the hotel room, and then I just put the top coat on because I know how he was. I knew how he was going to be. But I have to make a point that, and instead of spending money going and getting my nails done, I did oh, my nails myself. Okay. So, you poor thing, you. <laughs> Awesome, guys. We're going to jump right in it because we got a lot of ground to cover, and uh, we're going to be very interactive, and we're going to uh, have fun. We're going to laugh. We're going to be open and honest with one another, uh, but we're going to walk out of here knowing that God has brought us together. Amen. That's the awesome thing about it because, you know, marriage is one of those things that we talked about last night. You got to work on. And you got to work on every single day. You can work on some aspects. So we're going to do this, this awesome illustration as we continue on. I believe we're on page three, or at least in our manual. But, uh, you know, marriage is work. Uh, and key number two is you have to be a giver. Be a giver. And that's both of you. You know, you hear marriage is, is giving and taking. And, you know, don't spend a lot of time trying to figure out who's the giver and the taker. Just both of you be a giver. And if both of you are being a giver, uh, then both of you are receiving from one another as well. So uh, because when you hear the word take, uh, that's almost like that's a negative connotation. Where they're the giver and they're the taker. So it almost sets the person who's the taker up to be the person who's who's always sucking life out of something and taking something away. So look at your look at your spouse and say, you are not the taker. And say, I am not the taker. Say, I am a giver. And you are a giver. And we both give. And we both love what we give. They give each other a little small peck on the lips. Go for it. You guys can do it. Okay. All right, cool. Now, here's where we get into the exercise. Each spouse must constantly spend time breathing life back into the marriage. That's going to be key. Each spouse must constantly spend time breathing life back into the marriage. Now, everybody has noticed in front of you there should be three balloons Okay, grab them in your hand. If your spouse, your spouse should be there with you because you need your spouse with this one. There should be three balloons in front of you. The red, yellow, and green, correct? Red, yellow, and green. Now, uh, take about 30 seconds between the two of you to figure out which balloon, what color you're going to use. Now, you only need one of those. So, y'all decide real quick. 30 seconds. Okay. When you've decided, raise it up in the air between the two of you, which, which color are you going to use, okay? Uh, 
It's funny because I got a husband and wife down here. One has green, one has yellow. So I'm going to see what's, which one is going. You only use one, just one per couple. That one's broke, okay? So do you want another red one? Okay. So one couple, one balloon per couple. Y'all got them? Y'all figured out? Figured out? Figured out? Okay. Now, this is what we want you to do. So I want you guys to take turns blowing up that balloon, one balloon per couple. So husbands, you will lead off blowing some breath into that balloon. Then you pass it off to your wife. Back and forth till you get it blown up to a good size. Okay, and then one of you tie it off. Now, now blow it up till you get it to a good size. You got it, just one breath at a time. Oh yeah, don't tie it off. I'm sorry, do not tie it off. Do not tie it off. Just blow it up till you get it to a good size and hold it. Blow it up till you get it to a good size and hold it, okay? Once you feel like you got it at a good size, you can hold it. Up in the air. Now, we don't want anybody passing out from blowing up these, blowing yeah. up these balloons, so take your time. Okay, once, once you're satisfied, do not tie it off. Once you're satisfied, hold it up, okay? Okay, I'm going to let Heather hold this one up. We're pretty satisfied with that one, Okay. Okay, now here, <clears throat> here is the first uh, optical visual analysis because we had, we had three balloons at your table, okay? And the Spirit of God told us to use red, yellow, and green. So all of you that are holding up a green balloon, it lets us know and God know and everybody else know that your marriage is awesome. You got the green light. You're good to go. In fact, you don't even need to be up in here this morning. Now, if you've got a yellow balloon, the Spirit of God is revealing to us that there are some things that are, are, are potentially dangerous. And there's caution. And the Spirit of God is speaking caution. He's telling you, slow it down. Slow your roll down. Now, if you've got a red balloon, you need to make your way to the altar so we can all pray over you and your marriage right now because there are some things that are going on and you need help. You need God's help. So we're going to put this entire conference on hold and pray over you, okay? No, we're just joking, but that's a lot of fun. So what I want you to do, what I want you to do, all the wives, you need to hold the balloon. Remember, do not tie it off. Hold the balloon. Now, husbands, you grab that Sharpie that is at your table. And I'm going to grab a Sharpie. And husbands, you need to write the words, our marriage. Our marriage. On the balloon. Okay, all right, all right. Now, look at one another and say, this is our marriage. Now, this is a marriage that both of you have spent time breathing life into, correctly? 
you've passed it off to each other. You've been breathing life into the marriage. And so now we're going to do this little exercise that shows us how quickly it is to deflate the life that we've been breathing in to the marriage. And it doesn't have to be big things, but we're going to show you today that it's those little things. So, so we're going to do this. So I believe, let's see here, uh, wives are holding, wives are holding the balloon. Okay. Now, wives, if this affects you, go ahead and let a little bit of air out of your balloon. When you ask him to do something five times or more, and he either doesn't do it or he didn't do it correctly, let a little air out of your balloon, if that applies. Don't let, don't it, let, yeah, all don't the let air it go. <laughs> Okay. And then hand it off to your husband. Now, men, you take the balloon. All right. All right, men. That moment when you try to have some romance and she says she's too tired. Whoa. All right. They're like, no, no, you let, don't do not. I see the women like, no, dude, don't let that air. You better not let that air out. All right, pass it back to the women. Oh, I see someone's already blowing some more air into their balloon. That's good. That's good. That's good. When it starts to deflate, you got to put some more life back into it. Okay, Heather. All right, wives, hold the balloon again. When he doesn't notice your new hairdo or your new dress or that you've done something different, let a little air out. Mm -hmm. Oh. Mm -hmm. Now, men, you should be taking note of this. If your wife is letting out a lot of air, that should be telling you something. And women, if your husband is letting out a lot of air, that should be telling you something. Okay, now here's, here's the one. Here's the one. Men, when she constantly corrects you as if you can do nothing right. Oh, that, that balloon was screaming. I think he, see, it, it, it wasn't so much that he just let air out. He wanted everybody in the room to know. That his wife thinks that he can do nothing right. Now, here's the deal. I want both of you to begin to put some life back into those balloons. And once you get it back to where you want it to be, I want you to hand it to the husbands, and I want the husbands to stand up. Both of you are putting life back into it. Now, if you notice really quick, it takes more energy and more effort to fill the balloon back up than it did to let the air out. And once again, marriage takes work. It takes work, and you got to put something in. And here's another thing I like to do, because here's the deal. All the men, hold, hold up your, your marriage. This is you. This is you holding up your marriage. Now, I want you to walk around. Uh, walk away from your spouse at this point. All the men, just walk to a different side of the room, whatever. Now, men and women, both of you are listening to this because men, wherever you go, you are carrying your marriage. Whether it's at work, in the community, 
you're hanging out with your friends, whatever you're doing, you are representing your marriage. You're taking your marriage with you. Why are y'all all ganging up over there? Y'all just, just spread around. Y'all, y'all, y'all just spread around. Y'all, because and some, some of the men are taking their balloons over to the donut, to the donut table. Area. I hope they're remembering their wives and their there. marriage as they're over there and they're getting something all right, for all right. their men, spouse. Men, on the count of three, I want you to stop wherever you are. One, two, three. Now, women, look around. Find your husband. Raise your hand when you, when you see your husband. Some of them were afraid to walk too far from their wives. I get it. I get it. <laughs> okay. So you've got your eyes on your husband. Now, wherever you are, men, you got to realize that you're carrying a marriage that both of you have spent time working this marriage, breathing life into it. And we've got to realize that the enemy is always after the life that you've put in your marriage. And we've got to be smarter than the devil. Amen? This is where as a man, we have to be smarter than the devil. This is where as a woman, we've got to be smarter than the devil. Because everywhere we go, the devil's after our marriage. He's after the life that we've spent breathing into our marriage. The, the work, the toil. Because it's hard work. And men, we hold the seal that's keeping, as we hold it in our hands, it's keeping the life into our marriage. Now, this is what happens, how the devil begins to work. Because, like I said, you know, it's those little things. Jesus said, the little foxes spoil the vine. It's the little things that we don't understand that have the potential to let the air out. And I want to walk you through this. Because as a man... Once again, everything that we've breathed into our marriage, we've put in there. Our wives have put it in there. So we've got a happy marriage. But what begins to happen when we don't learn to communicate, and we're going to be talking about a lot of these things, when we don't learn to, to, to constantly put life into the marriage, and, and maybe we get into a fight and we leave home without sitting down talking to our wives about how we feel or what's going on. And then all of a sudden, there's a separation between us. But what begins to happen, you wander into somebody that maybe they're paying a little bit more attention to you than your spouse. Maybe they notice that you've got a bad look on your face and they say, well, what's wrong? What's going on? I, I can t tell me what's going on in, in your world, in your life. And you, the moment you hand that off to somebody else other than the person that you are in covenant with, y'all tracking with me? It has the potential because, because you're, not, you're not allowing your wife to breathe into that and you've handed off your marriage to someone else or something else. That is taking place of the time of your spouse. And, and we may think it's something that is innocent, but, but we start hanging around the wrong person and we start paying attention to somebody else. And what's really happening when we've handed off our marriage to somebody else, they don't have the ability to breathe life. Actually, it begins to deflate the marriage. We're sending text messages to the wrong person, and we're chatting with the wrong person, and, and it's deflating the marriage. We're thinking about the wrong person. We're no longer thinking about our spouse, and, and, and we don't even have any control over the life of our marriage because we've placed it into the hands of something or someone else, and it's being deflated. As long as we've given it over to somebody else, it's been deflated.
And when we take it back, here's what happens. You said it. There's not much left. Now, here's what begins to happen. This is what causes the big blow up. Because we've taken it back from somebody. And then we go back home. And we blame our spouse for what's left. Obviously, this marriage is not good because look at it. There's no life. This, she had nothing to do with it. But that's how the devil comes in with the whole blame game. And then we pass off what's left of our marriage to our spouse, and we expect them to breathe life back into it. All the while not being man enough to say, if I had never handed it off, it would not be in this situation. And here's the reality of it. It's getting real quiet because I wanted to drive. We're going to have fun. We're going to be laughing. But I wanted to drive this home because we need to understand that the thing you're carrying in your hand, is, right now it's just a balloon, but it represents your marriage. And nobody but the union right here, nobody should ever have possession of this covenant but you and your spouse because I go back home, now I'm, as a man, now I'm frustrated, I'm discouraged, and, and I don't like my marriage because obviously there's nothing left in it, but I'm not blaming me, so I'm going to blame her. Well, you don't support me enough. You don't encourage me enough. See, see how that turns? You don't believe in me enough. Oh, if I just had a, a, a wife like Johnny, because Johnny's wife, she encourages him, and now we're blaming for what we allowed to happen. And we're expecting her to breathe life back into it. And men, women just have that, that intuition and they understand they're not going to breathe life back into anything that's been on the lips of another woman. Come on, I'm just being honest. It's not going to happen. But it's until you once again gain control of the thing that God blessed you with and understand that you too have the power, as long as you're walking in agreement, to constantly keep the life into your marriage. And God will watch over you, amen? And God will give you the strength. Because here's the deal. There's going to be times where, where, where she's weak and I'm strong. So who gets the balloon? Whoever's the strongest in the moment. Whoever's the strongest in the season. And there's going to be times where you, 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 you're going through some, some situations and, and, and maybe the, the, the life is being sucked out of one of you because maybe something's going on at work where that's where you hand it off to your spouse and they begin to breathe life back in. How many know it's teamwork that makes the marriage work? Amen? Y'all get anything out of this? Come on, give the Lord a hand clap. Hold on to your balloons. Don't let them go. You go what? You go put it over the bed. <laughs> So now, as you make your way back to your balloon, to your wives, <laughs> to your marriage, make sure you keep that balloon. Listen, don't tie it off, but, but, but this is an exercise throughout this thing here. Uh, you you got to keep it, keep the life into it. And so you figure out, you know, both of you can, can share in this and hold it. But like, obviously, Heather and I, we've got to put some air back into our balloon as we finish this out. So... So hold on to that, and we're going to come back and revisit that at the very end. All right? Let's see here. Okay, and I'm going to let Heather go with key number three. Key number three, eliminate 
as many deflators as you can. These could be little things, little things that deflate. Like we said, he's not noticing my hairdo. He's not noticing I got a new dress. Something as simple as that. But, um, you know, it can also be big things. You know, for when Adonis and I got married, well, this, this is definitely a little thing, but it's sometimes the little things that really affect you. You know, when Adonis and I got married, you know, before that, when I, when I bought something, it was, it was mine. And we got married, and uh, you know everything becomes ours. That's what it is. And it, it's always how when they want something of yours, well, that's ours. That's ours. Or vice versa. When you want something of, of theirs, that's ours. Well, a uh, little story here is I would go, we'd go to the grocery store, and we'd get a drink, a Gatorade, something as simple as a Gatorade. And I started noticing that he would come home and he would drink his Gatorade and I would have a few sips of my Gatorade and before long, my Gatorade started disappearing. And I'm thinking, is he drinking my Gatorade? He had his own Gatorade. Is he drinking my Gatorade? So I did what any uh, forensic scientist would do. Uh, the next time we got a drink, I drank my drink, he drank his, and I went in and I put a little line. Because I, I first asked him, are you, baby, are you drinking my drinks? And he's like, no, I'm not drinking your drink. Okay. And I'm looking at it, and he drank just enough. So I knew, like, he didn't go in and guzzle my drink, but he drank just enough where I'm like, I, I don't remember drinking that much of my drink. And so, like I said, I went in, I put a little line where he couldn't see it on the, to mark, this is where my drink is, because I was going to get him. I was going to let him know I was on to him. And sure enough, I go back and I check my drink, and it's below the line. And I confront him on it. I said, Adonis, you had your own drink. Why are you drinking my drink? And he's like, well, you know, it's, our, it's ours, technically, it's our drink. But I'm like, but you had your own drink. And, you know, that is something so little. But I'll tell you, over time, every single time I get a drink, I go there and I'm thinking, oh, when I get done working out, I have that Gatorade. I go back into the fridge, I have no Gatorade. Or he leaves me this little bitty amount. Now, like I said, that's not a big deal, but when it happens over and over and over again, it, it's irritating. Everyone, like you guys can probably all think of something in your mind right now that is that little thing, because I see a lot of people's heads nodding. That is a little thing, but you know, that thing, it becomes an irritating thing. You think, I will buy you 10 Gatorades, just don't touch my Gatorade. Something simple like that. And it's those little things that over time, it, it, it gets annoying. And then you get angry. You're having a great day, and you're loving your spouse, and you go to get your drink out of the fridge, and it's gone instantly. You can go from happy to angry. And it's not because they drank your drink that one time. It's because they kept drinking and drinking and drinking your drink. Well, I will tell you this, I have gotten my revenge. Now, this is happening for the past nine years that he's been drinking my drink. It hasn't stopped. It, it, he, 
But it did slow down. It slowed down. It slowed down. And I will tell you, you, wait, I will tell you, you why it me. slowed down. I threatened him. I said, Adonis, if you keep drinking my drinks, I will go into your golf bag and I will take out a couple of your golf clubs. So the next time when you're on the golf course golfing, you won't have them. And you don't want to end up in that position. So, but it's, it's brought, been brought around for full circle now because now that uh, we have children, I've noticed that our son Grayson, Adonis likes sweet tea. I don't drink sweet tea. Adonis likes sweet tea. Our son Grayson now sneaks in the refrigerator and drinks Adonis's drink. He is so mad. Grayson, were you in here drinking my drink? And sure enough, he was. But I'm like, I just smile and I just think, oh, this is this is great. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for blessing me with these children. And now he knows how that feels. But it's those little things that can be deflators. It's those little things. And that, like I said to him, he's like, it's no big deal. I'm just drinking your drink. We can go get more. But you know, when you're thirsty and you're wanting that drink, it's, it's annoying. And that's just something that's important to me. And therefore, it needs to be important to him. It's, and you guys, like I said, every one of you can think of some of those little things. It's just trying to eliminate some of those really small things. Yeah, and, and that was one of those things. It's like, you know, now I'm reaping what I sowed. Uh, because my son is like, he's like a mini me, and he just drinks everything I leave in the refrigerator, and Heather does laugh, but that was one of those things that when, when she turned and threatened me with the golf club deal, I knew she meant business, you know, because at first I was laughing that off. It's like, it's like she would, she'd call it out, and I'm like, well, well I'll, I'll go to the store right now and get you some more drinks, and, but that, that wasn't the issue. The issue was I was doing something that was, that was ticking her off, and we got to understand that uh, to understand the pulse of our marriage, and it's it's like doing triage again. How are you feeling? And obviously, she was angry with me. It's something that I didn't think was a big deal. My spouse thought was a big deal, and that's where you guys have to honor one another. It may not be a big deal to you, but it's a big deal to the person you are in covenant with. So if it's a big deal to them, it must become a big deal to you. Does that make sense? So that you guys can stay on the same page of the book. And so there was another thing to where uh, something that was a big deal to me that was not a big deal to Heather. Uh, and that's, you know, we got married and we were in our 30s. So, you know, we were like uh, kind of already set in our ways and not really accountable to anybody. And so when we got married, uh, it wasn't that I was overprotective. But when she was out maybe with her girlfriends or something like that, you know, and she'd be gone. And, and it's like. You know, I'm expecting her at least call, check in, just let me know where you are, you know, things like that. When we, when we had our kids and, and it's like, I want to know, are you and the kids okay? Because as a man, we, we want to make sure our family's okay. And so I remember, you know, she could be at, at a church function and it's like, it's 1030 at night. I'm like, you know, I'm texting her, where are you? And I know where she is. And it's like, I'm like, babe, will you at least, when you're out, can you at least just check in with me periodically throughout the day. Just send me a text. You said, we don't have to, you don't have to call me. Just send me a text message so I will know that you're still alive. Okay. That's, that's where my mind was. And so uh, it went on for like several weeks or months. And, and finally it got to the place. I was so angry because I felt like it didn't matter to her 
that I was at home worried about where she was. And it's not that I thought she was out doing something wrong. I mean, she was with some of our friends, or once again, she's at work, or she's, she's at a church function. But my personality, I just want to make sure my wife is okay. You know, uh, and I have to remind her, I said, babe, you know what you do for a living. You work for the Tennessee Bureau of Investigations, and there's crazy people in Nashville. And I said, I want to make sure you are okay. And so she'd blow it off, and finally I got to the point to where I had to really have a sit-down talk. And this is where, guys, we have to uh, know the pulse of what's going on in our marriage. If you're at the point where you're about to explode, because we know when we're there, First thing you've got to do, you, you, you've, you've got to man up or woman up, and you've got to ask the Holy Spirit to help you communicate effectively to your spouse. And I remember Heather came home one night. I was sitting on the couch, and I said, I looked in her eye. I said, I am not angry. I said, but I'm going to tell you this for the last time. I said, if we can't fix this, because all I'm asking you to do is a simple text. I said, if we can't fix this, this is going to cause a huge issue in our marriage. And the, and the moment I said that, it's like I released it, and I, and I put it in her hands to see what we were going to do about it. And now, it would have been easy for me to say, oh, he's controlling, or oh, he just wants to know where I am every single minute. But I had to stop myself, and I had to think, you know what, this is something that's important to him. Why is this important to him? It's not important to me because, like I said, for me, I just kind of went about my business. He know, uh, In my head, I'm thinking he knows exactly where I'm at. He knows I'm fine. If I'm not fine, I'll call him. If something's wrong, I'll call him. And I had to really capture that in my mind and capture the enemy from trying to tell me that he's being controlling. He wants to know exactly where you are, when, you know. And it was easy. Like, I started having thoughts and looking around and, like, my, my other girlfriends, they don't have to check in with their spouse. It's so easy to do that comparison and to say, you know, they, they don't need that. Why does my husband need that? But the thing is, you're not married to your friend's spouses. They may need different things. But my husband was sitting there telling me, this is something I need. It wasn't natural for me. It, and I still struggle to this day. It, it's not a natural thing for me. I grew up. I didn't have a curfew. I didn't have to check in with anybody. I just went about doing my own thing. So having that demand on me, it was difficult. So I had to start doing things to make sure that I was following through. Like, for instance, if I go out with my girlfriends, I set a reminder in my phone to make sure that I check in. Like I said, I go shopping, I lose my mind. I don't even think about what is Adonis doing, what, is, what are the kids doing. I am just out shopping, I am having fun. And I don't, I think, I, I think about them for a second. And I think as I'm looking at some clothes and, oh, he looked good in that. And that's what I had to realize and tell myself, you know what, when I'm having those thoughts, oh, that Adonis would like that shirt. Right then and there, I have to stop myself and send him a text and just check in and say, hey, how's it going? Even at work, every day at work, I'm, I can't have my phone back in the lab, but I just check in. And I go, when I go to lunch, I check in and just, just a quick, hey, I love you. I don't have to say, hey, I'm fine, I'm at work. It's just a quick, I love you, just to let them know that I'm thinking about them, just to let them know. And, and like I said, if it, 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 I had to set those reminders in my phone, and that's okay. If you have to do something like that that isn't natural, then you have, I even had friends that, 
you know, her husband's the same way. And we were like, let's help each other out. And she's like, I'm sending my husband a text. And I'm like, oh, good idea. I'm going to send my husband a text. It's simple things like that. Because the last thing you want is when you come home, you've had this great day out with your girlfriends or your great day out shopping, and you come home, and now there's a problem. For something as simple as taking a minute to send a text, so it's just putting things in, in, in perspective, in priority. If it's important to him, then it needs to be important to me. And that was one of the things as, as we help each other. Uh, you know, I had never, you know, just, I was, what, 35 when I got married, when me and Heather got married. And it's like, for the first time, it's like the realization hit me, I'm responsible. Now I've got somebody that, that's in my life that, I'm, that, I, that I worry about and care about, and I don't want anything to happen to them. And so for the first time, that was hard for me to even process. And so it was actually me needing her to help me and help keep the door closed to the enemy. I mean, no, that's, that's pretty important uh, because, once again, my mind tends to rattle on. Once again, like she was at a, once again, she's at a church function. It's 1030, and I'm thinking, oh, did she get into a car wreck? That's how the devil bombarded my mind. And as a man, I had to realize, you know what? I need to ask my wife to help me with this because I know she's not in a car wreck. I know, you know, she's at church, but it was just, it was just eating me up. And it's like, whoa, okay, she needs to help me with this. And that's why, you know, it takes you back to the Bible. God created woman as a help meet, not, not as somebody that's weaker, but she has the power to help close the door to the enemy in my mind. And so that's pretty important when you think about uh, when you guys have those sit-down talks and say, hey, how are you doing? Okay? Realize they're going to give you some feedback to help you close the door to the enemy. Amen? All right. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Is this helping anybody so far? <clears throat> we're having fun. Okay, we're going to move right along, guys. We're uh, to the next point, and I will let Heather kick that off. The next point is making a marriage strong. Uh, key number one, you have to know one another. You have to find out why your spouse reacts and responds the way that they do. You know, like Adana said, a lot of us are different in our marriages, and that's how God created us. God, it's like God knows uh, where one is strong, the other is weak, and that's why he put us together. Or that's, that's some quality that, whether we believe it or not, that's, those are things that, that together we're stronger, where one of us has weakness, one of us has strength. So we need to know uh, how to react and respond to each other. Like Adonis was saying uh, last night, I don't like to be told what to do. And that's one of the things that as you're married, longer you're married, you, you have to learn those things about your spouse. You need to know that, you know what, I don't like to be told what to do. He had to learn that. And when he words things, he has to word them a specific way. And so even while we were dating, we took, how many guys have ever taken those personality profile tests? Anybody? Uh, those are great things to take. E even if, you, if you're married and you have not taken them, I mean, that's a great thing to, to do because you can learn uh, the personality and just uh, how to get along with that person, how to interact, how to communicate. And a lot of times we don't know how to communicate, and then we say something, and then uh, our spouse reacts in, in a way like, whoa, where'd that come from? And it all has to do with 
when you know somebody, you know how to speak to them. You know how to who correctly communicate to them. So we took those and we refer back to those a lot in our marriage because, you know, the deal with me, one of my personalities just, you know, I don't like to be very spontaneous. It's like I'm very thoughtful. I like to plan it out. Like my wife knows she can't just come and say, hey, let's go to Disney. What? Okay, you guys, you got to let me know that eight months in advance so that my mind can start preparing for that. And so, you know, I remember when we, when we got married, we went on our honeymoon, and, and this is something we had not talked about. And so my wife wakes up. We went to St. Lucia, and my wife, you know, she loves the ocean and the beach and all that stuff. And so uh, we woke up one morning, and she goes, let's go kayaking. And so I'm like, um, I need to tell her I don't like the ocean. Now, mind you, we are on our honeymoon, let's just repeat this, at the beach, at the ocean. And somewhere in our dating, I must have missed that he doesn't like the ocean, or somewhere he's like, yeah, that sounds like a great honeymoon. Well, it may have been because there was also golfing there, so maybe he thought we were just going to golf every day and not go to the beach, I'm not sure. And so we get out there, and she's, she's, she's ready, man. She's got her bathing suit on. She's like, hey, let's, let's go kayaking. And I'm fighting it all the way, you know. I'm like, well, you know, it's, it's, you know, I'm like, the weather looks bad, yada, yada, yada. And so we go up there. And so, and it's not that I'm afraid of the ocean. It's I don't like what's in the ocean. Okay? That's, that's the deal. And so we get up there, and, uh, you know, the guy at the kayaking place, he looks at my wife, and he, he gets her what she needs, and he looks at me as like, have you ever been kayaking? I said, do I look like I have ever been kayaking? <laughs> and so, you know, he tells us, and he tells us, you know, you can go out, but you got to, don't go so far, and there's signs in the ocean. And so, so we get out there, and I'm in the back paddling, and my wife is just looking, and all I'm thinking of, I'm going to see a shark come out of here. It's going to tip over the kayak. It's going to eat my wife. They're going to blame me. I'm going to be on the news as being accused of killing my wife on the honeymoon. So I'm furious at Heather the whole time, but I'm not saying anything to her, but I'm thinking about hitting her over the head with this paddle and taking her back to the, to the hotel. And so she's like, oh, look, it's so beautiful out there. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, I'm looking for sharks. And so then she sees another couple that have gone like Two, three hundred yards past where they were supposed to go. Now, m let me just say, too, we haven't gone very far yet. And so she wants to go far out there. And by then, I'm like, no, let's turn around. So we almost get in this big argument at the kayak. And so finally, I have to tell her, I'm like, babe, I don't know where we missed that. I said, but, you know, you don't see a lot of brothers in the ocean. I said, we missed that in our marriage counseling or whatever, but let me, let me break it down for you right now. I said, I am not the one to be out here with the sharks. And so I think she was disappointed, but I had to get my point across. And so she couldn't just look at me like, well, you just, you just, you know, I married the wrong person. You're not adventurous. And so she understands now when she wants to do something that involves water, She's got to be very sensitive. She can't just throw that on me. And because, you know, we share kids as well. So now it's like, okay, I don't want my kids in the ocean. But then I have to be sensitive to that because they may not be afraid of the sharks. Like my son, he will do something um, on purpose at school. He will go to the library and get shark books. 
and he knows I've got a fear of snakes. He came home with a snake book the other day. He said, Daddy, I'm going to help you get over this. <laughs> He's six years old. But those are things, guys, you know, if Heather would have known that about me, then she never would have forced me to be out there on the kayak. You know, maybe she'd have asked me, and then maybe I'd have, you know, because how many guys hate to feel forced to do something? I hate it. Just don't enjoy it. You made me be here, and I'm going to let you know I'm having a bad time, you know? And so, and Heather knows that about me. She knows that when we go to parties, you know, being a pastor, you get invited to a lot of things. And so there was one time where our schedule, it was so booked with birthday parties and this party and that party. And so Heather will go to a party and she will close the party down, meaning she will stay and be the last person. She'll be a part of the I cleanup crew. I will crew. talk to everybody. I, I will sit and I will talk to the very last person. And that's just not my personality. You know, I can go to a party, and I'm there. I've made my rounds. I've talked to everybody. And then when it's time to go, it's like I will get up and walk out the door. And so finally, you know, Heather was in there. Finally, we had to talk about it in advance. And now because of my personality, we will sit there, and Heather will say, hey, we're going to go to these two events. And so we have to agree. And I look at her and say, okay, I'll go. Now, give me a cutoff time that I know when I can get up and walk out the door. And when he says get up and walk out the door, I will be at the party and I will look around and I'm like, where is my husband? Like, and I look at my watch, I'm like, he's probably out in the car. And then about five minutes later, as I'm still at the party, finishing up my conversations, five minutes later, the next person walks out and they come in and they're like, your husband's out in the car waiting for you. Even at church, he'll do that. Adonis is out in the car waiting for you. So I know now that if I wait, make him wait too long, we've agreed upon a time that if I make him wait too long, it's going to cause a fight between us because that was something that we agreed on. Now, there are situations where, you know, it's a really good friend or something, and I'm like, we're staying through the whole thing. But you know what that does? That frees him to say, you know what, I'm going to do what I need to do. If I have to camp out in the corner and just, and just chill for a while, that's what I'll do until everything is done. But we communicate that going into the party knowing that, that that's what the expectation is for him, and that's what the expectation is for me. But then we have to carry that out. And that's what causes us to no longer get into disagreements about it, which is the next point, becoming great at fighting. And with that, you know, it's you have to realize that you are on the same team. This marriage, it's a team. And when one of you loses you both lose. When one of you wins, you both win. You are not fighting against each other. It's not a he got his way and he won and I lost or I got my way, I won and he lost. That's not how marriage works. It is that we are on the same team. Yeah. And, and you know, uh, Heather and I love uh, telling some of our personal stories because we believe your story is what helps other people. And, you know, we stand here before you guys. We're, uh, we're not perfect, and we know nobody's perfect, and there's no perfect marriage. But, you know, there's some things that we went through in our marriage that really, you know, there was things that were challenging. There were things that were, were easy to get over. But, you know, uh, a couple of years, was it about a year or two ago? Maybe a couple of years ago, we hit something in our marriage that really just, you know, <clears throat> it put a lot of things on pause. It was like, whoa, this is, 
this is a heavy one right here. And so, you know, we had to really navigate through that. And it had to do with uh, some expectations. It had to do with Heather wanted something and, 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 and I didn't want that. And so, you know, when we, uh, were, we got married, we knew we wanted to have children. And so, you know, we agreed on, you know, two kids. Heather wanted three, I wanted one. And so we met in the middle and we agreed on two kids. And so some of you know our story. You know, we had a challenge having kids, and, and God still blessed us with kids. And, and uh, the first one came out. He was a boy. And so when we got pregnant the second time, I was, you know, just, you know, sometimes as guys, we know. I'm thinking, okay, God, I really need this to be a girl on this one. Because if it's another boy, then she may still want to try for a girl. And so we prayed, and, and we, you know, Heather felt like it was a girl. She was very uh, sick during that pregnancy, and, and, you know, she was thinking there was the hormones and all that. And so, so we were in the waiting room, and, and uh, my son was there. I think my, was my mother was, mom was there. And uh, we did the little uh, sonogram, and the, and the nurse said, oh, she looked at Grayson, because he was standing in the room with us, my son. She looked at Grayson, and, and I'm like, oh, Lord, let it be a girl, let it be a girl. And she goes, oh, he's going to have a baby sister. And I'm like, yes. And in my mind, I'm thinking, we're done, you know? And then so, but I'll let, I'll let my wife take it from here. Well, and, you know, even in the first pregnancy with Grayson, it was tough, and we went through difficulties, and the labor was tough, and going, uh, being in our mid-30s and having a child, that was an adjustment. That was tough, and I thought, I might be good with one, but you know what? I'm, gonna, I'm going to give him a sibling. And then we were able to get pregnant with Carrington. But with that, that pregnancy, I was really sick. But the, the labor was easier, and the, um, she was a good baby. She slept because Grace and I had been colicky. And it was not maybe a couple weeks after I had Carrington, I started thinking, I could do this again. I, I literally had that thought because I went from, well, I'm just going to have one more and we'll be done. And, you know, it's all good because in our premarital counseling, like he said, we had decided on two. And something in me was like, I could do that. I could do this again. I could, I could have one more. And that little simple thing, and I started talking, trying to talk myself out of it because I'm like, that's kind of crazy. I just a couple, you know, weeks ago thought I'm not going to do this again. And just little bit, little by little, I had this desire, and it kept growing stronger and stronger and stronger. And I started going to Adonis with it. Well, what do you think about having one more? In the midst of having a newborn baby and a toddler at home, he's thinking, you are crazy. What are you even talking about? And he, he just didn't even entertain the conversation. And I remember thinking, well, this is important to me. I'm, I'm really considering this. I really think we, I want to have another baby. And so time went on, and due to our age, because like I said, we were in our, in our at this point, our late 30s, uh, Adonis was 40, and so I'm thinking, I got to get ahead of this, because if we're going to have another baby, we got to do it pretty soon. Um, so I started, you know, again, planting another seed and planting another seed, no response, or the response was he just kind of blew it off, like, I, you know, I, you're joking, right? And I'm like, no, I, I'm, I'm starting to get serious. Well, as that desire grew deeper in me, I started to ask more and more. Well, what ended up happening was he got to a point and he just shut down and he's like, we talked about this 
and we're having two, and, and that was it. Well, at that point, what happened is the enemy started coming into my mind. I started getting angry. I started getting angry with him. I started having the thoughts of, well, why, does, why is it his decision? You know, why can't it be my decision? Why does he get the final say in this? Why can't we have another baby? Why can't we even talk about it? We tried to have conversations, but at that point, I think I had just, I guess, annoyed him so much with it that I just wouldn't stop with it, that he had, he had just shut down and didn't want to talk about it anymore. And it was at that point where I started to think, I'm unhappy. I'm really unhappy. I, I was happy with the children I had. Don't get me wrong. I was very blessed with the children I had, but I had this desire, and I felt like it was a desire that God had placed in me. And you know, it was in that moment where I started to feel things in our marriage started to change, and they started to go back to things in my previous relationships, things like start having less time with him, more girl time, more time with my coworkers, just whatever I did because he was making me unhappy, so the home was making me unhappy. So I started doing some of those old behaviors that I had, but it was in that moment that I realized that I can't open the door to that because what that produced in my first marriage was divorce, and I, I really had to stop myself and say, you know what, even though I don't feel like I want to I wanna be with him and I want to spend time with him and I'm not happy with him, I forced myself to. And I know that's not what you want to do in a marriage, but sometimes that's what you have to do. You have to force yourself to make sure that this is okay. And I started to force myself to, to stop doing, recognize those old behaviors, and I stopped doing those things, and I started focusing my attention back on him. And that, that finally led him, because no, I was no longer angry with him, and he sensed that I wasn't angry with him. I was trying to fix it. That led to open conversations finally about it. That led to me being able to communicate how I was feeling, where it started. It let him be able to communicate to me why he didn't want a baby, because all I was hearing is that he didn't want one. And it let, him, it let him communicate to me the feelings he was having, which then let me start to see things from his point of view. And, you know, I thought, I don't, I, I don't know how we are going to get past this. And it's okay that you have those thoughts sometimes. How are we going to get past that? But it was in that moment that we just prayed. And we pray, I pray, God, I pray daily, ta either take this desire away from me to have a new ba another baby or put the desire in him. Because and, at and that also, point... And also, just interject, that, that had to become my prayer, you know, because at first I was stuck on the whole, but this is what we agreed upon, you know. And then, but I had to really, after we started really sitting down and talking, I had to go to God and say, God, okay, if, if, if this is your plan, put, it, put that desire in my heart. And that's what I was waiting for, that desire. And I would have to communicate that to my wife. It's like, you know, I'm open to it. I'm open to God because I care for our marriage and I want us to be back on the same page with this. You know, the, the, the flesh side of me was, okay, I'm, 
in my 40s, and we can barely keep up with the two we got right now, and I'm just, you know, I'm thinking about that, but then I had to put all that on the, on the back burner and say, God, you know, let your will be done, whatever that is, and it wasn't that I was praying, you know, God, I want it to be my way. No, I really had to put all that aside and really trust that God was going to somehow put our hearts back on the same page and our desires back on the same page. And as I think when we begin to release that in his hands and we were back into communicating and, and back into where it wasn't uh, awkward at the house, I didn't feel like like she was depressed or anything like that. I believe that's when God came in. And it was one day that, that it was it went from, from night to day and she was like, okay, we're good or whatever. So, And, you know, in, in the midst of that, I had to keep in mind Adonis's personality. That's why it's important to know your spouse's personality. For him, we made the decision in our premarital counseling, and I'm thinking, well, we made that decision when we didn't even know what it was, if we could have kids, what it was like to have kids, and we made that decision. But I had to realize that his personality, he, he's a planner, so that's what he had planned. And I had to take that into account and think about, you know, instead of being angry that, you know, he, we made that decision, we didn't know, I had to take into account that that's what he had planned for. So maybe I need to pray for God to open his mind and see. And that's when, like I said, we started praying in agreement. And it wasn't something that happened overnight. It wasn't like this magical thing that God just miraculously took away the desire for me to have a child or for him to desire to have another child. It was something that over time, slowly over time, you know, we just kept praying about it. But as long as we kept our marriage good and we kept in sync with each other, we just were able to take a step forward every day. And I, like I said, I didn't wake up one day. It was just like a slow thing. I just got to a point where I was like, you know what, we're good. You know, children start, our children we had two in diapers at the same time. One came out of diapers, then the other came out of diapers. And I started to picture, wow, we're getting into a place where this is good. And I don't know that I want to go back there. And over time, we just got to a place where we're good. And I don't have any ill feelings because that's the thing. Sometimes, too, if we don't get our way in our marriage, we keep that. And, and we hold that against them. And if you hold something like that against your spouse, over time, it might get better for a while, but over time, it's going to continue to slowly, slowly destroy your marriage. And so that was one of the things that I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm done with this. We can talk about it now. We're in a healthy place, and we're good. And I'm never going to look back and say, you know what, it's your fault we didn't have another child, or it, I blame him for that. This was a decision that we came to together, and when there is agreement, there is power in that agreement. And that's one of the things, that, and I can never, you know, there's moments where, you know, the other, I mean, one day my son, he's, <clears throat> he's six, and he's, he gets crazy sometimes. I remember Heather called me at work. She goes, she goes, come home or I'm going to kill your son. I mean, she's mad at him. You know, you know they really ticked her off, and I'm thinking in my mind, I should tell her, what if there were three? You know, but you know, you can't do that. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> it's like, but we realize that we're on the same team, and, and we both win. 
or we both lose. And so you got to keep that in perspective. Amen. And so that's, that's, that was a very painful time in our, our, our marriage. And, and, but we use that to, to share with other people. You know, that, that may not be the same scenario that maybe you will encounter one day, but you'll, you'll look back and, and, and have to remind each other, hey, we're on the same team no matter what. And so we both want to win because we want our marriage to win. Amen. Man, let's keep on going, guys. We're going to try to breeze through some of this because I know we're, we're running out of time a little bit for this first session, but we'll, we'll make up for it. Uh, key number three, be a communicator. Be a communicator. When something bothers you, be quick to speak up and get it out there. When you don't communicate, you still communicate. That's important to remember. When you don't communicate, you're still communicating. When something bothers you, be quick to speak up and get it out there. And so, you know, Heather has this, she kind of breaks it down to different types of communicators in a marriage. And, you know, fighting, you know, you have to learn how to fight. You have to learn how to communicate with each other. I think, um, I think everyone is in two categories. You're either a spewer or you're a stewer. And for me, I, I'm usually you don't have two of the same in the marriage, and you have to keep that in mind. For me, I'm a spewer. If I'm angry, I'm just going to let you know, and I'm angry, and I'm done with it. Once, once I've let it out, I'm done with it. But I, had to, I have to learn that I have to be careful with my words. If I'm angry, I need a minute to think about it because I used to, if he did something to me to make me angry, I'd, I'd just let him know right then and there. And then sometimes I'd think, wow, did I really just say that? Did those words come out of my mouth? Because they were spoken in anger. And so I was, a, I was a spewer. I get it out. I get it done. But then Adonis, I would do something to Adonis, and I had to realize that he's a steward. Sometimes I'd make him upset, and I knew he was upset. It's very clear. You know when your spouse is upset. Sometimes it's easier to ignore it if you're busy. Sometimes it's easier to ignore when your spouse is upset. But I knew he, I always know when he is upset about something. I may not know the exact minute it happens, but I know when he's upset with me, but I had to realize that he is a steward. He likes to sit and think about things and process things. And at that point, then it comes out. Well, sometimes in the beginning of our marriage, there'd be a day or two that it would go by, and I knew he was upset with me, and he just wouldn't tell me. And I had a hard time with that because I'm a spewer. I'm like, I want to get it out there, and I want to be done. I'm not the type of person who lays at night, lays up at night and can't sleep because I'm thinking about something all night long where my husband is. He will sit and think about it and see we don't, you can't, fun, you can't, fun, I can't function like that. So I need to get it off my chest. But you have to realize your spouse, you have to figure out, you probably already know what your spouse is, if they're a stewer or a spewer. And the thing is, is that you have to realize that you have to give them time. If they're a stewer, you need to give them time. It's sometimes uncomfortable as a spewer to give them that time to process what they're going through, but you sometimes have to give them that time. You can't sit there sometimes and say, well, tell me what's wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong? Because sometimes if you do that and you push them, something ugly is going to come out of them. Sometimes they need that time 
to stew over what, what's happening and to process it. And sometimes I've realized that with Adonis, he just needs time, and he'll work it out. You know, when we first got married, and um, I think I mentioned this, how Heather moved into my apartment and threw all my furniture out. And so she moved all her stuff in, and she still had boxes, and we didn't, we didn't get to, to those till after the honeymoon. So we get back from the honeymoon, and we're, we're you know, first day back in our, my little one-bedroom apartment, and we're going through these boxes of hers. And so I open up one box, and inside of the box, there's an iron, like, you know, an iron that you iron your clothes with. And all I said out loud, I said, well, praise God. I said, now we have two irons because I've got one already, and now we have an extra iron. And so Heather said immediately, she goes, she goes well, that's dumb. She goes, we, we, this, this is too small of an apartment for another iron. Now, that's what she said. What I heard, Pastor Bob, was you're too stupid to realize we don't have enough room for this iron. That's what I heard. See, that's what I filtered. That's not what she said. But that's what I heard. You're too stupid to realize this small apartment cannot hold this extra iron. And so for days, I was, I was bothered by that, really bothered by it. And then, you know, pride, it was like, oh, man, that hurt me. And I didn't have enough. I was too prideful go, to go to her and say, when you said that about my iron, it hurt me. Because I thought she was going to think I was less of a man and that she married a wimp. And, and so I had to get over that pride because there I was getting angry and mad, thinking, oh, my, I've married the wrong person. This is how she's going to talk to me, you know? And then so, you know, I had to go to her, swallow the pride, and, and, and say, hey, babe, you remember, you know, several days ago when you said that about the iron? And, and, and she didn't even realize she said that, and so we talked about it. And Literally, all I was thinking is that where we keep the iron, that's full. We don't have any more room to put this iron. That's all I you was know, thinking. So long story short, we got rid of the iron. And then about, you know, but about two years later, you know, the, uh, we were doing this function at the church, and they had these, these tablecloths that were, came in this box that were really wrinkled. And so she called me and said, hey, can you bring the iron up? Because we need some more irons at the, the church to, to iron these tablecloths. So I did, you know, I took it up there. And, and so, uh, and she went up there to help out as well, where our iron that uses so much, it, it burned out. And when she told me, I said, well, if we would have kept that other iron two years ago, we would still have another iron in our apartment today. That's what I told her, because I had to get that off my chest to prove that I was right in the first place. But we had a big laugh about that. But it's just something so small can, can stir you up if you don't communicate it. That's why it's, it's, it's the quicker you get it out there is the quicker you guys can talk about it and bring a resolve. Amen? And give the other person the opportunity to say, that's not what I meant. Okay? And to really allow God to get in there. Because if you're not talking about it, then the enemy's talking about it to you. You'd rather have your spouse talk about it with you. Amen? All right. Let's continue on, guys. We're going to breeze through the rest of these. Making a marriage fun. Making a marriage fun. And these are just some simple tips you guys can do. A merry heart does good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. Got to remember that. Your marriage should be fun. You should be constantly uh, thinking of things that you can do. Find simple ways to medicate your marriage. And what we mean by that? Going back to the Word of God, does good like a medicine that's going to make you feel good. So medicate. Whatever it is you can do to make your marriage feel good, uh, whether that be key number one, revisit your dating. 
Go back and remember those times where, you know, you didn't share the, the financial responsibilities and you didn't have bills and maybe you didn't have children running around and you didn't have uh, all these other things. It was just you two uh, googly-eyed in love with each other. And so go back and revisit some of those moments. When me and Heather, when we were dating, we went golfing a lot. We, we talked a lot. We went to the parks and things like that. So go back and revisit those simple things. And here's the deal. You don't have to break the bank, come on, to go out and have a good time. And a lot of people think they've got to go out and break the bank and they've got to save up for this expensive, you know, $200 dinner. You know, my personality, I will never even enjoy a $200 dinner because I'm thinking I spent $200 for this. That's just my personality, you know. So go out and and find things that you guys can enjoy uh, without breaking the bank. And I think it's important, like Adana said, to go back and revisit some of those things you did while you were dating. I remember we would go take a walk in the park. And now it's like sometimes you think about that and something happens where you think, I don't have time to go walk in the park. You get into life and you, get, you have kids and, you have, and you're like, yeah, that sounds great, but I don't have time. But the thing is, you had time. That was a priority back when you were dating. So those are the same things that you have to make a priority in your marriage now. Because if you don't keep your marriage fun and happy and you don't do things like that to keep each other happy, then you're going to have problems. And, and that's why dating was fun, because you didn't have all these outside things. Well, that's when you have to stop and take the time to make sure you're doing things where you can block out all of those outside things. And guys, here's some action steps. This is homework for you guys to take this home, but you want to write out three fun things you did while you were dating. And for each of you, that may be different, because maybe you enjoyed something more Uh, than your spouse did when you guys were dating. And so those are things you can reflect on as you move forward. Key number two, do what the other person likes to do. Find out what your spouse likes to do. Even if you don't like it, if they like it, go and do it. That's going to be key. Men, if that means you have to sit through a chick flick, sit through a chick flick. Even if you have to think about something else while you're watching it, put your arm around her and enjoy it. Well, you can. It's funny because my husband, he likes Hallmark and Lifetime movies. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. I fall asleep. I fall asleep during any movie. So I was like, I can't sit there and watch stuff like that. I like action. I have to have an action movie. It has to keep me going. But I realized, you know, he likes he likes those movies not because he likes chick flicks. He likes them because they're uplifting. A lot of those movies, they're uplifting. They take his mind off of things that, that are troubling him, and they're uplifting. They always have a happy ending. They're cheesy as all get out, but they have a happy ending. And sometimes that's okay. Sometimes it's okay to sit and watch and enjoy a happy ending together and think about how this can be a happy ending together. Yeah. Now she's hooked on Hallmark movies. I am so now. It's all yes. good. Key number three, do things that make you laugh together. That's key. Go back and revisit that. What is it, whether that's, you know, go see a movie, comedy show, whatever it is, do something that makes you laugh together. These are things that you need to remind yourself of. Identify what they are and then go back like we talked about yesterday. Put them on your calendar. Set a timer to remind you you have a date to go and do something that's going to build your marriage, okay? So make sure you, you, you do those activities, guys. You write them down because if you don't write it down, 
Listen, it'll, it'll never make its way on your calendar. Write it down. If you really care about your marriage, number one, you're here today because you do want to invest into your marriage. So write those things down so that you can go back and actually do them and watch your marriage uh, be enhanced. And the last one we'll talk about before we uh, take a break and get into some of our, our other sessions is making a marriage last. Making a marriage last. Key number one, this is so key, have an accountability couple. Have an accountability couple. When we dated, we had an accountability couple for our dating, and it continued into our marriage. We learned the importance of it while we were dating. We had someone that sometimes you see, I know ev everyone can probably think about someone they know that is in a dating relationship, and they're thinking, why are they dating them? Can they not see? What is wrong with them? Can they not see? The fact is, when you have emotions involved, there are sometimes things you can't see. So having an accountability partners can help you with that. And that doesn't mean it's someone that, you know, m my mom or, or, you know, his friend. It has to be someone that you agree on. So try to think and try to pinpoint who that couple can be for you so that they can hold you accountable. Someone that will not judge you someone that has a marriage that reflects what you want your marriage to look like, that you can go to. If you guys hit that moment where you're like, I'm strugg we're struggling, we just don't know what to do, someone that you can both go to and be completely honest with and say, we're struggling here and we need help, whether that be, even if that's a counselor, whatever that is, find someone that is a safe place that will never judge you and that will never judge your spouse. Uh, there is strength and power in agreement. That's one of the things we realized very early uh, in our relationship. There is strength and power in agreement. And you got to make sure that you guys are always in agreement. And that's why we suggest to have that accountability uh, couple that you can go to. When you're out of agreement, these are people you can submit to and, and tell them what's going on and people that you trust. Now, in our book, we talk about some examples of some good accountability partners. They are pastors, Christian leaders, someone who has a successful marriage. Because here's the deal. You don't want to go to somebody who's on their eighth marriage. Not that you're judging. Here's the deal. We're not judging anybody. But if you're on your eighth marriage and you're complaining about the marriage you're in now, why would I seek counsel from you? So you got to be careful who you choose to be your accountability couple. Uh, someone who is committed to seeing God's will done in both of y'all's lives. Uh, someone who has your best interest at heart. Now, here's some examples of some questionable accountability partners. Uh, someone who still carries baggage from past relationships. Your best friends. Here's the deal. Your best friends and family members. Here's the deal. You can't just, you know, one of the things we did, we had a rule. When, we're going, when something's going on in our marriage, we're not going to tell our family members about it. You want to know why? Because God's going to work out whatever it is that you two are going through. God's going to work it out. But when you go tell a family member something that may hurt them that your spouse has done or whatever, they're not going to forgive. They won't find it easy to forgive. Now, you will forgive, make up, and go on, but that's going to make, here's the deal, that's going to make Thanksgiving dinner with the family very awkward because guess what? You forgave, but mama's still holding on to that. So you've got to be careful who you begin to tell the deep things that are going on in your marriage. Does that make sense? It's not that you're trying to keep things from your best friends or family members, 
But you got to understand that, you know what? You're believing God's going to work this thing out. And you don't want to plant a seed in somebody else's mind that's a close family member that may not be able to handle what you're going through at the moment. So you got to be careful with that. And you got to allow God to lead you as to who you're going to seek counsel from. That is so key, guys. you got to be a person that you can trust. I mean, the last thing you want is for your business to be amongst everybody else. So find somebody you can trust and go to that person and, and really lay out what's going on. And that's what Heather and I do when we hit those moments where we're not in agreement and then we invite the, those people in. Hey, this is what we're going through. What do you guys think? Because we know the power of staying in agreement and we want to stay on the same page. I hope that makes sense to you guys. And it's not to exclude your family, but you want to protect your family. Amen? From the, from the temporary thing. Because here's the deal. Trouble is temporary. When you're walking with God, and God can get you through anything. So don't, don't, don't put a temporary situation into the mind of a family member that they may make it permanent. Because then that's going to cause a ripple effect and may cause more trouble down the road. So you want to keep your family protected. You want to keep your marriage protected. Amen? Key number two, stay sexually active. I'm going to pass this one on to Heather. <laughs> well, actually, ladies, we're going to talk about this in a little more detail in our session. Um, but it's key because it's, it keeps you connected as one. It really does. And sometimes we're so busy that we just let that go by. And it's something that is important. It's not only important to men. We know that. That's why we don't have the men probably don't need to talk about it. But uh, it's important to God, too. It's biblical. It's, it's, it's the only time that we, can, we are one with God. We, under, under our covenant, we are one. But it's the only time that we can physically be one. And, you know, with Heather and I, we, we, we do some practical things, too. We communicate times that work and don't work, you know. And then we go so far as to create a schedule if needed. Once again, we put everything else on the calendar. And so we shouldn't view... Sex as something, quesera, sarah. It'll happen when it happens. You know, not if you want to keep your marriage in unity, because we all know when we don't, when it, anything that goes quesera, sarah, it almost never happens. And so you got to make sure that that is on the calendar. You know, it's, um, we have this rule too, you know, our kids don't sleep with us. Well, this weekend they are, because we're in a hotel room with them, and we've got to split them up, or they'll be up all night. But they don't sleep in our bed with us. Why? Because we keep that for us. And so we just make sure that, uh, you know, we are doing what we need to be doing to make sure that we are staying in union with one another, you know. And so if you've got to make a date night or a sex night, you've got to do that. And, you've, you know, with kids, you've got to make sure that, you know, you think about, okay, I've got to make sure they're in bed, they're asleep, is the door locked. Y'all know what I'm talking about and stuff like that. But here's the deal. It's maintenancing your marriage. You're keeping your marriage healthy and vibrant, and there's nothing wrong with that. And so you've got to make time for that. And, you know, I have a friend that once told me, and I laughed about it, but now it, it makes sense. She said, I'm open from business. She told her husband, I'm open for business from this time to this time. And after that, no go. So you've missed your time. So, you know, it's funny, but it's like she knows herself, and she knows that at 10 o'clock at night, I'm exhausted, and I'm going to bed. 
so don't expect anything. She's put that out as an expectation. So if it's important to him, then he will make sure if it's before 10 o'clock, it's before 10 o'clock. Put it on the calendar. Some of you are doing that right now. I'm going yeah, to lock it in. Yeah. Set a reminder. Whatever you need to do, make it happen. Key number three, keep doing the little things. Everybody say little things. It's those little things that make a big difference. Keep doing the little things that make a big difference. Remember, uh, the Word of God says the little foxes are ruining the vineyards. Catch them for the grapes are all in, in, in blossom. It's those little foxes so, uh, that, can, that can destroy a, a, a vine. It's also the little things that can actually build a marriage and make it strong and make it healthy. Once again, you don't have to, you know, uh, don't get fooled by Hollywood thinking you've got to go out and do this, this huge, extravagant thing. Find those little things that work for your partner and your spouse. Find those little things that in their eyes is a big deal. You know, just the other day I went uh, to work on Monday. Adonis went out of town to Canada, and I went into my lunch bag, and there was Adonis had written me a little love note. Something so small as that made me think, wow, he was getting ready for a trip, and he is the one who took the time to think about me and write and do something nice for for me but you know I have to say in that moment it would have been easy for me to say and get down on myself thinking well why didn't I do that for him and that's when I have to stop myself and say you know what I'll, I'll do something next time he's important to me he let me know that I'm important to him he's important to me and I will I will figure out something for next time I can figure out something for next time no, I'm joking <laughs> Everybody's head right there. Okay, guys, last thing, and then I'm going to turn it back over to Pastor Bob, and then we're going to do some other sessions. But the action step that you guys have uh, is switch manuals. You can do this when you get home. Uh, this is going to help you switch manuals with your spouse and fill in the last section, little things that make our marriage last. And this is an exercise for you to hear from your spouse, and you can do this when you get home, so that they can tell you those little things to them that are a big deal that they love when you do. So that's going to give you that, that ammunition to always do those things. And once again, quit thinking the big thing, but the small thing, you know, uh, that, that go a long, long way. And uh, we're done with this portion. Did this help anybody today? We've had a lot of fun. Give us a hand clap to encourage us. We've had tons of fun. And then I'm going to turn it back over to Pastor Bob. I know we went over, but we can shorten those other sessions if you need us to and make it all, all work and uh, go from there. God bless you guys. Oh, and your balloons. Now, here's the deal. Raise your balloon back up if you still. Some of you got creative. You put a pin in there, and you're like, okay, we're going we're gonna to keep the air. But here's the deal. You guys, you guys kept that going the whole time, and you, you didn't let the air out. If you did, you blew it back up, and that's, that's what it is with marriage. You know, if you notice, me and my wife, we had to pass it off to one another, and it's a constantly passing it off. When somebody gets tired of holding it, you've got you've to you've pass it off and let them breathe life back into it. So I hope you guys remember this illustration. I guarantee you the next time you see a balloon anywhere, at a birthday party, whatever, you're going to remember it represents your marriage and somebody had to take some time to breathe life into that. So I hope you guys uh, uh, take that uh, to heart and understand that, listen, both of you, you know, have the ability to keep it sustained, and to keep life on the inside of your marriage. Amen? God bless you guys. Pastor Bob.
If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277. You are Lord, I'm a sinner.